uh, Genesis chapter number 4. Uh, we have just finished the book of Jonah, but prior to the virus that hit America, we had been studying the book of Genesis, and we're going to go back now to Genesis chapter number 4. And I'll tell you what, man, the book of Genesis is one of the most exciting books to read uh, in the Word of the Lord. It is the book of beginnings, of course, and every really major doctrine that you'll deal with throughout the Bible and throughout life, really, you'll find in the book of Genesis. Now, when you read chapter number 3, you find the fall of man, and you find in there the principle that teaches us that it's very dangerous to have a discussion with the devil, especially when you're by yourself. And so there was Eve alone, and uh, she was separated from her husband at, at some point there, and the truth was doubted and distorted and eventually denied. And the devil will always dismiss the consequences of your bad fleshly choices. It won't cost you that much. That's basically what he says, and that God doesn't mean what he says. So Eve is deceived, and she listened, she looked, and she lusted and partook. But the Bible says that Adam is the one who was not deceived. He disobeyed. He is the federal head of mankind, and because of him, sin entered into this world. Wherefore, is by one man, not one woman, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into this world. You and I are living with the consequences of that decision. You say, well, it's not fair. We're not talking about fair. We're talking about facts. Okay? There were three consequences of their decisions that day in the garden. There was internal consequences, the shame and the guilt and the fear. There was external consequences. They, uh, body began to deteriorate and eventually they died. And then there were eternal consequences. They were separated from God and so were we because of their consequences. But tonight I want to study chapter number four. And I want to uh, approach chapter four like we are crime scene investigators. And we're going to look at the crime of a scene and we're going to look at at some of the clues so that we can come to a good conclusion of who is guilty and who is not guilty in some of these events here that took place. This is where that uh, Adam and Eve have a child, two children, and uh, you know about Cain and Abel. No doubt you have heard much about them in your lifetime or heard of their names. We're going to investigate the crime scene here. Now, in order for you to appreciate your Bible and to understand some things that are going on here, I need you to keep your hand right where you are. We're going to come right back to it. And I want you to go with me to the book of 1 John and chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to, we're going to use the cheat sheet that somebody left us concerning this uh, crime scene. Uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter number 3. In verse number 12, way at the end of your Bible, thousands of years later, thousands of years later, we have recorded here something about Cain. Tonight we're going to talk about the way of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. It is critical that you understand the way of Cain. 
First John chapter 3, verse number 12. We're going to be talking about Cain and Abel tonight. First John 3, verse 12. The Word of God says, Not as Cain... Let's back up to verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother... And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. All right, now a few pages over to your right. Look in the book of Jude, the last book right before the book of Revelation. The Holy Ghost brings attention to these men in several places. Jesus mentioned Abel uh, before the Pharisees and uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, speaks to us about the offering that Abel gave and his faith whereby he brought it to the Lord. In first, excuse me, the book of Jude, look in verse 11. The Bible says, Woe unto them, and here he's talking about the false prophets and people who have left the faith. He said, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. The way of Cain. He mentions three characters here. The way of Cain, and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now, we're only interested in the first part of that verse, where it says they've gone the way of Cain. So what is the way of Cain? Okay, now go back with me to Genesis chapter number 4. I'm going to give you a few details, and then we're going to look at what happened here in the book of Genesis in chapter 4. I believe it'll help and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. So we're walking in on a scene here. Let's read a few verses and let's study it together. Chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Do you believe that when you are very angry that it will leak out on your face? And so the Lord looks down at him and says, well, Why is thy countenance fallen? He said, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? Now we read that last week about Jonah. He said, Man, what are you mad about? Doest thou well to be angry? And here he's speaking to Cain. He says, Why is thy countenance fallen? I believe you could see the dark cloud upon his face. I believe you could see him boiling. And the scripture says in verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I'll take just a moment and, and mention something about that phrase because I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But it appears there that God is giving him another chance. <clears throat> He's the firstborn. And there's something about being the firstborn in the Bible that gives you the blessings from your father. It appears here that if he 
would simply just do right, that God would give him another chance, and he would have the opportunity still to rule over his brother rather than being rejected by the Lord. In verse 8, it says, and by the way, he also mentions that sin is always, listen, you make, you think that, uh, well, sin is ready to overtake all of us. And uh, you've got to make some good choices, buddy. I mean, you've got to stay, continue to make good choices. It's crouching like a wild animal. In verse number 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. So instead of taking advantage of the opportunity, he talked with his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. You probably think that if you were to take people who are in prison and put them in a perfect environment, that they would not be the kind of people that they are. But you have to realize here that these folks are in a great environment. And that there's not a whole lot of temptations going on around them. And yet you see the heart of man. You put him anywhere and you'll find that his, his coarse nature will come to the surface. And the scripture says here in verse 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now it sounds to me like he's almost being a smart aleck to God. And he said, what hast thou done? Do you think the Lord knows what he's done? God always asks questions that he already knows the answers to, but are you going to confess it? He said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set up Mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And then you have then the description of his descendants and the development of society. Okay? Now, let's look at the Scriptures together tonight. Let's pray. Well, I hope the power doesn't go out because I certainly don't have all this in my memory banks. All right? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, would you bless your servant? Help me, dear God, I pray, uh, to be a blessing to your children who have come out on a on an ugly night weather-wise and God, but yet have come because they, they love you and they love the Word of God. Lord, we rejoice in your goodness and mercy toward us and thank you for Jesus Christ most of all. In His name, amen. Now, I'm going to borrow a little bit of evidence out of chapter 5 to help you to understand the crime scene here. This this time period here in chapter number 4 appears to cover, uh, you know, at the beginning of it, about 130 years has passed because that's how old Adam was when he had his first son. Now, we don't know how old these boys are. They're grown men. they got their own business. And now they are uh, involved. In, one's in agriculture and uh, one is uh, is taking care of sheep. Now, have you ever anybody say, okay, if you believe the Bible, where did Cain get his wife? You ever heard that before? Anybody ever ask you that? 
Well, let me show you what the evidence shows in the crime scene here. First of all, you'll notice in chapter number 5 and verse 4 and verse 5, it says, And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. Now, you'll find that everybody that's born in this recording is their name is not mentioned, not all of them, and especially the girls. Girls, I don't want you to be aggravated with the Lord, but it was the sons whose names that were recorded and the daughters' names are not recorded. Okay? And so you see that there's time progressing and people are being born during this time. And if you look in chapter number 5 again, in verse number 5, it says, In all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And chapter 5, verse 7 Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And so people are being born uh, during these periods of time. If you look back in chapter number 4, you'll find here in chapter 4, verse number 12. Look what it says right here. It says, um, in verse 12, it says, When thou tillest the granite, shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And he's referring to you being run off from the rest of the population. In order for you to be a vagabond, you have to be able to leave a group of people. All right? And then you'll look in verse number 14. He says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one... in order for him to say everyone, there's got to be some people there. All right? That findeth me and shall slay me. So the Lord is concerned about this other population that's there of taking him and, and possibly taking his life because of what he has done. Obviously, word has gotten out. And yet he says, uh, he said, Lord, uh, they're going to find me and they're going to slay me. Does that not tell you that there's evidence that there is a population here? That it's not just Adam and Eve and Seth and Cain and Abel? Does that make sense to you? I mean, can you not see this? All right. And then you'll notice in verse number 15, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever. Now, again, there's some more people that slayeth Cain. He said, Sevenfold shall be taken upon him. So it's very obvious that there has been a group of people that have uh, that have had children and then children and then children. And now, that's why in verse number 16 it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land. And verse 17 says, And Cain knew his wife and she conceived. Alright? So you have to understand that there's been a, a, a population explosion taking place here because uh, death is not something that is prevailing at this time. They lived for hundreds of years unless somebody took your life. You live for seven, eight hundred years, possibly nine hundred years. You say, do you really believe that? Absolutely do I believe that. Absolutely. It was totally different than it is today in, in the, in the uh, uh, way that they lived and how they lived and the atmosphere in which they lived. But you'll notice there are two sons here that were born. Both have honorable pro- professions, and they're one's keeper of sheep, one's tiller of the ground. And uh, obviously, they have been given instructions. Again, our crime scene investigation tells us that uh, these men have been told what to do. All right, because the Scripture says that they brought their offering. 
Now that means they were over here with their offerings and they went to a certain location to offer up their offering, which means there had been instruction given to them from the Lord of where to meet Him and what to bring. Okay? All right, so here they are. And one of them decides, however, that he is going to choose his own way. And the other one is going to choose to trust God by faith and bring what the Lord required of him to bring. Now listen, this separates all the religions on the face of the earth. From the beginning of time, this is what separates religions on the earth. There are many religions. There were many religions in the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There were many false gods, many worshipers. Man is known to worship. Whether you go to pagan India or you go to Papua New Guinea, there are men who are worshiping something. There is a void in the heart of man that causes him uh, to, to reach out to an unknown entity. As a matter of fact, when Paul went to the city of Athens, which was very educated and very advanced, he says everywhere that he looked in the city, there was idols everywhere. And he says, as a matter of fact, they even set up a stone with a statement on there to the unknown God, just in case they had missed a God somewhere. Our movies and cartoons and magazines and, and our comic books all relay uh, uh, this belief that there were gods in the heaven looking down upon man and then some of those gods would come down and become men and all kinds of, of stories and movies have come from their philosophies about God. And all of it starts right here. Because you either accept God's way or you make up your own way. And that is where all the false religions come from. Alright, and Genesis 4 here, keep your hand right where you are. I need you to look at another place in the New Testament real quick with me. I want you to look in Hebrews chapter number 11, because here's what some of you are going to look at that and say, well, I don't understand why God got so upset, because it looks to me like it came. You know, who worked so hard tilling that ground that had been cursed by God? You know, farming's hard work. If you've ever worked on a farm, you know what I'm talking about you've ever had to break ground and plant seed and then cultivate it and then look after it. And even if you're just uh, growing a garden, a garden doesn't grow by itself. Now listen, weeds will grow by themselves, but, but fruit of the garden will not. And you're going to have to work it. All right, Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 4 says, By faith, now, this is what separates Cain and Abel. By faith, in verse number 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. He brought what God required, and he brought it by faith. He brought it by faith. You don't have to understand God about everything he requires. You just need to learn to trust Him. And you need to learn to obey Him. And you'll find His blessings. And you find here that by faith, and by the way, the Scripture says throughout history of the Bible that the just shall live by faith. 
trusting what the Lord requires. Okay? Now let's go back to Genesis 4 real quick. Because the two ways of man are being revealed here. The way of Abel, of which we call the blood-bought way. That is what we call the blood-bought way. Abel's sacrifice, his offering, was speaking of one day that the true Lamb of God would come and give His life for mankind. These people were not ignorant. They had tremendous amount of light. Genesis 3.15 promises a coming Redeemer. Enoch prophesied and preached that the Lord would come back with thousands of His saints. These men had a tremendous amount of light. And so you think about this. How about if you lived in the day of Cain and Abel and uh, you... um, had to go and offer up this sacrifice. I'm always wondering. I, I have the liberty to use my imagination just like you do as long as we don't violate the Scriptures. But you know, when the Lord put them out of the garden, it was a very unique um, guard at the garden. The Scripture says in chapter 3, verse number 24, that He drove out man and He placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims. Cherubims. That is, those are angelic creatures with several wings. And they are mentioned several times in the Bible. And these were powerful creatures. And it says, "In a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So as these boys begin to grow up and they watch mom and dad, no doubt, bring their offerings and their sacrifices to the Lord, no doubt, just like every boy in here that's always full of questions about what's going on in life and why are we doing this and why are we doing that, why, why, why? And so they... Maybe the, the altar was close to where the entrance of this garden is. And maybe they're saying, hey, Dad, Mom, how come we can't go into that garden over there? I mean, wh- wh- why is that flaming sword over there? And how come we can't go into that location? What's wrong with this? I mean, because every time somebody puts a sign up and says, don't touch, somebody wants to touch it. And so they had to explain to them what happened. I don't know how the conversation went, but... Adam might have said, well, your mom ate us out of house and home, son. You got that, didn't you? (laughs) I don't know what he told them, but I know this, that it was a sad story when they told these boys. And no doubt Adam could probably say, ma'am, when I could just walk with the Lord in the garden, it was just awesome. He said, but son, because of my choice, my decision, I made the decision. And son, he said, look, you know, we can't go in there. And those boys knew that. Now what that told them was, is that man was separated from God. And without a sacrifice, they couldn't have a relationship with God. And the thing that would save them from the wrath of God would be, by faith, bringing what the Lord said to bring. See, there's a lot of problems with with man-made religion. They have the opinion that if they do the best they can and they're sincere about it, that God is obligated to accept it. And when God says, no, I don't want it, they become very angry at God and then they come up with their own gods and their own religion to offer up their sacrifices and their good works to and make themselves feel good about it. And so this is a very serious passage of Scripture here. And it, and, it, and it really, you either are part of a religion that believes that God did it, or you do it. 
There is no in-between. It's either been done or you're working on it and hoping that God accepts it. This thing about sincerity, the Bible specifically uses the term godly sincerity. Godly sincerity finds out what does the Lord find to be pleasing. And then with sincerity, you do it and you offer it up to Him. Sincerity is where you feel good about yourself and what you're doing and you bring it to the Lord and then you expect Him to react in a positive way. David experienced that when he said, let's go get the ark. As a matter of fact, he even had a business meeting and said, what do y'all think about this? They said, hey man, I, I'll make a motion, let's go get it. They all said, hey, let's go do it. And so they went to get it and they put it on an ark. Uh, 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 when they put the ark on a, not a ark, they put it on a wagon. And as they begin on a cart, I try to think of the word cart. I'll get it here in just a minute. They put the ark on a cart. You got that? All right. So here they go. And the oxen are pulling them. And uh, these guys are very sincere. They've got the band out in front of them, buddy. they got to have a parade. And everybody's excited that the ark of the covenant is coming back. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And matter of fact, they're even praising the Lord. And then that one of those oxen stumbles, and that ark's going to fall off the wagon. And 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 one of those guys, Uzzah, I believe is his name. He doesn't want that ark to fall off and hit the ground. That's a good thing. He reaches up to keep it from falling, and when he does, boom! God killed him. And boy, everybody stopped in their tracks and said, "Oh man, we've made God mad. What have we done?" And they had to take the ark somewhere else. And David is just basically, he's, he's a little irritated with God, but he's also afraid of God about what, what has happened here. And so then David goes back and he looks up some things and he finds out that, you know, we didn't do this the way God said we're supposed to do this. And that's why we upset him. You say, well, God's hard to get along with. No, God's not hard to get along with. It's just that it's either His way or your way, your way, it's not good enough. And so the Lord had told them, listen, anytime you carry that ark, you get those Levites that I chose, and you put that ark above their heads, you put those rods through those rings, and they lift that ark up, and they carry it over their head, and that you bring it, you can bring it in like that. But you do it exactly the way I say do it. Sincerity. You know what some of you do? You see sometimes some of these, these folks that are doing dramas, you see some of these folks doing these uh, windshield wiper services and you say, man, they've got to be worshiping the Lord. And, but I'm just telling you that God has a certain way. And He says, I want to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. And I'm telling you something about God. God does not like it when you mix unclean with clean. He doesn't like that. And He won't accept it. He will not accept that. He is a very holy God. He's a very righteous God. And he wants things done a certain way. He does not take the way of the world, no matter how sincere you may be. Well, let's go back to our crime scene, okay? Look at Genesis 4 with me, please. You know, this is the way of Cain. The way of Abel is by faith. You come to Jesus by faith. You get saved by faith. You live by faith. And even when you fail, you know how you get right with God? It's by faith. 
in the blood of Christ. You believe by faith in Jesus who saved you. You believe in faith that He is your advocate and that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins through the blood of Christ. It is the blood of Christ that saves us and keeps us clean. But here's the way of Cain. It is satanic. It is self-willed. It is under the falsehood of sincerity. And these paths will not mix. What Cain is doing here is in bringing his own offering. And God would not have respect to it. Number one, he was denying that human nature is truly evil. Man-made religions have a problem with that. Number two, he denied basically that man was truly separated from God, that he could approach God and be friends with God and be buddies with God without meeting God's conditions. Not true. You cannot do that. And the Lord makes it very clear in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 that if you want to fellowship with the Lord, you're going to have to separate yourselves from certain things. You cannot worship God and idols. You can't do that. It won't work. And he also refused to believe that works were insufficient when it comes to pleasing God, that he could please God by his own works rather than bringing some little innocent lamb and letting it die to him. That does not seem reasonable. But he brought, listen, I don't think he brought a sorry old bunch of dried up tomatoes and onions. I think this guy would have won some kind of a, an award somewhere, uh, you know, at a 4-H meeting where people were growing their plants and all of that stuff and they're bringing their garden. I think he would have won a lot of stuff. I do. And here he is bringing it to the Lord and I think that he's proud of himself. Lord, man, look at this watermelon, Lord. No doubt they probably had watermelons back in that day about that big, son. I mean, everything worked good back in those days. Man, an ear of corn probably burned on his shoulder and laid it down. Man, I'm telling you, it's big stuff. Grapes probably the size of basketballs. Here he is bringing it before the Lord, and the Lord says, "That's not what I, that's not what what I, what I require. That's not what I want. That's not what I told you to bring." The Bible says he got very angry with the Lord. Bad decisions have bad consequences. He got mad at God. He takes it out on his brother. Do you know that when a man really gets very angry, and I mean, there's some guys that are full of hate. You know what? They really are mad at God. They don't. They hate life. They hate the circumstances and they blame God for what is going on. Like God has not dealt them a fair deal in life. I'm going to tell you what, life isn't fair. Some are born in poverty. Some are born in palaces. Life is not fair. You do have to deal with the cards that you're given. But I believe if you will make the right choices, that God will bless you as well. And the scripture here says that he says, I don't like this. I'm angry. Look with me in verse number 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. I wonder what they talked about, Brother Kenneth. 
I, again, I use my imagination at this in verse 8, and Cain talked with Abel. He talked to him before he killed him. We read this morning in 2 Timothy that that religious crowd would despise those that are good. So, you think you're better than me, huh? Hmm. I don't know what kind of conversation they had, but I think that Abel, no doubt, said, Now look, man, you know the Lord. You know what the Lord told us where to go and what to bring. You know. You knew what you were supposed to do. You're in this situation because of your own choices. Well, that's the last thing he wanted to hear. That he's responsible for being rejected. And so the Scripture says it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. Listen, ain't like he had a whole lot of playmates. A whole lot of folks in the family here. Here he is with his own brother. And he says, I'm going to kill you. Where did that thought come from? The Bible says in the book of 1 John that hate was in his heart and that he was of the wicked one. The wicked one. Again, you see that a satanic influence in the heart of these individuals and being tempted to do this. Bad decisions, bad consequences. An attitude of self-righteousness, of envy and jealousy, of hatred. The Bible says in verse number 6, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Oh man, that's a violent scene right there. And the Lord immediately knew this. He said, Where is Abel thy brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Buddy, I'm telling you what, that is a sarcastic, smart aleck attitude. But again, reveals his heart. And the Lord said, what have you done? He gives him an opportunity to confess. He said, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. He said, now thou art cursed from the earth. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there was no, you might say, law against murder. There was no such thing as murder and you facing capital punishment in that day. You're aware of that, aren't you? That did not occur. That doesn't mean that there wasn't killing. It doesn't mean there wasn't violence. It just means that nobody came and put handcuffs on you and took you to jail for what you did. It happens after the flood. And God says, okay, that's enough of this. We've got to put a restraint on mankind concerning his activities. And that's when capital punishment was then placed upon the planet, but it wasn't for about 1,500 to 1,800 years. There was no capital punishment for these crimes. And so the scripture here says that he's marked. How did God mark him? I will let you answer that after church. I don't have a clue. But I know this. I know that there's some southern preachers when I was growing up. And I didn't know this growing up, but when I became a preacher, some of these other pastors told me that there were brethren in the south, in south Mississippi, who some of those guys can be very racist. I grew up around black folks and they, we didn't have any issues with them. They didn't have issues with us. 
And they believed that the mark was God made him a black man. And that's why that everybody recognized him and that's the curse of Cain on a black man because he's black, and which is ridiculous. I don't think that he became a black man. As a matter of fact, I think everybody here in this, in this passage up to the days of Noah were all the same color. And I think that it was after the flood. And I don't think that, that Noah had uh, rainbow children. I don't think he had three different colors with it. All of that happened after the flood and, and after the things where men were separated because of sin. And so you have to, you have to answer because your kids are going to ask you questions like that. They're going to ask you questions about why people are different colors and why people, uh, all kinds of questions that you, you, the Bible gives you some answers to, but you may not like some of the answers that it gives you. And the scripture says here that, uh, concerning the mark of Cain, I don't know what it was, but I know this, that when people recognized him, they knew that God had marked him and they knew they were to leave him alone. All right. And so he is separated from the presence of God. And now the, the seed of Adam now begins to separate itself. And you've got the way of Cain. And you've got the way of not Abel. He's dead, but Seth. And you've got this seed over here. And then you've got this other seed over here. One, then they're going in two separate directions. All right. Now, for sake of time, let's read through the rest of the chapter. And I'll just comment a few things and then we'll go. All right. And the Bible says here, uh, in verse number 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. That's not the same Enoch that's in chapter 5. Okay? It's a different guy. This is not the guy that walked with the Lord and one day he was translated. What you see here is the progression of man and society Listen carefully to me. This also proves to you that man was not a cave-dwelling, knuckle-dragging baboon. These people were smarter than we were. Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Bible says in verse number 18, and Enoch was born, and it gives the names here, and I'm going to skip over the names. In verse 19 it says, in Lamech, took unto him two wives. So now you have the beginning of polygamy. All right. Verse 20, you have a development of agriculture. Ada bare Jabal, and he was a father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. Verse 21, you have the beginning and the development of musical instruments and music. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all, such as Hanel the harp and the organ. That doesn't sound like cavemen to me. Verse 22, And Zillah, she was the Tubal-Canaan instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Now here you have, really, industry. You have polygamy, agricultural, agriculture, music instruments, and industry that deals with metals. And then Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Now all the men who write commentaries on this passage of Scripture say that this is a song that he wrote that has to do with murder and violence played to music. 
He says, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, hearken to my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Sounds like the average rap song today. If Cain shall be avenged seven, sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. How about that? So it appears to me that Cain has passed on his animosity toward God and into this city that he has built that is anti-God and anti-Christ. Then the story picks up and says in verse 25, and there's something about the book of Genesis that you need to understand as you read through the first few chapters. The information in there is cyclical. God will give you some information. Then you go to the next chapter. It's like he goes back and gives you a little bit more. And then the next chapter gives you a little bit more as it rewinds, and we'll see that in chapter 5. But you'll notice in verse 14 it says, if, if, excuse me, verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again. Now listen, again, indicating it's going back in time again because it doesn't mean that Cain went out and all these people were born and the city was built and then Adam and Eve had another child. See, that's not the way this works. The Lord will go back and let you know, oh, by the way, and back to the It's sort of like this scene and this scene. Oh, 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 hold on. We're going back over here now to this scene and this time. And he says, And Adam knew his wife, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, She hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Interesting statement for that generation before the flood. That men knew where to sacrifice, they knew what to sacrifice, and they called on the name of the Lord. And they had several preachers in their day. Talking about Enoch who preached about the coming of the Lord and Noah who preached the judgment of God was on its way. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. Great light was given to this generation. They were a very intelligent generation. And so the scripture stops right there. We'll pick up in chapter 5 at the Lord willing. And we'll look at Mr. and Mrs. Adam in chapter 5. Okay? Because God called both of them Adam. Adam called her Eve, but God said, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, I need to talk to you just a minute. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. But the way of Cain tonight, I want you to understand, is the way of pride. It's the way of presumption. It's the way of jealousy and envy and hate and disrespect toward God. And that city that began to be built there is after the same philosophy and elements of Babylon. And so I want to encourage you to understand that there are only two ways in life to live. You either live for God or you don't. You either live by faith or you don't. You're trusting the Lord to save you through by grace, through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, or either you're, you're offering Him your faithfulness instead of His faithfulness. But I promise you that the way of Abel is what pleases God, and the way of Cain is what God disrespects. So if you want the Lord to respond to you, trust Him by faith tonight in the blood of Christ. All right? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for your good word, and I pray that you'd help us tonight as we study it together. And thank you for recording it and giving it to us that we might know divine truths. In Jesus' name, amen.